0: Please remain standing for the preaching of the Word of God this morning. I would like to direct your attention to two scripture readings. The first one comes from um, Isaiah 53, the book of Isaiah 53, 1 to 5. If you, have, if you are using the, uh, the church Bible, you will find it on page 780, Isaiah 55, 53, 1 to 5. This is uh, the prophecy from Isaiah concerning the suffering Messiah, the suffering Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with His wounds we are healed. Amen. Now turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, uh, beginning from verse 32 to 42. We'll continue um, our series in the Gospel of Mark this morning. And uh, that's where we will be this morning. Again, this is the Word of God. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. He said to, to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul, Is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And uh, going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? asleep? Could you not watch one hour, watch and pray, that you may not enter into temptation? The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, through the preaching of your word this morning, would you remove any superficial understanding of your Son, Jesus Christ, from the mind and the heart of any one of us and give us the true understanding of the pain and the anguish and the depression of your son Jesus Christ in Gethsemane and what all this means for us as believers. Oh Lord, help us as we hear your word this morning that we would understand who, who Jesus really is, what his suffering and pain and sorrow means for us, but also to always watch and pray, so that we also would not fall into temptation. In His name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There are many things that uh, you and I, as Christians, need to uh, avoid in uh, the Christian life. Of course, sin and unbelief are the main ones. Yes, God wants us to avoid, to, uh, put, to put off, to kill uh, sin by the grace of God and, and unbelief. You remember Paul in Romans 8 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live so sin is one of those things that we need to uh, avoid in the christian life but relating to our text this morning there are also two uh, dangerous two dangerous things that we Really need to avoid from a Christian life. The first one, beloved, is a superficial understanding of Christ. We need to avoid that from our Christian life. I'll give you I'll give you one example in Isaiah 53. 3, Isaiah said about, about Jesus, he was um, he was despised. And rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Let me ask you this: What does that mean for you? What does Jesus, as the man, uh, being a man of sorrow and grief means for you as a Christian? Do you just have a you know a superficial understanding of that or you really really understand what that means about Jesus? The second one that God wants us to avoid according to our text this morning is neglecting prayer. Jesus three times came to his disciples and he told them watch and pray so that you would not enter into temptation. That you would not fall into sin. Watch and pray. And we see the disciples uh, sleeping three times that Jesus came to them. Our text this morning, beloved. We see in our text this morning, we see our Lord Jesus Christ in, uh, in Gethsemane. And this portion of the scripture teaches us that that those two uh, critical dangers must be avoided from our life as Christians. A superf- uh, superficial understanding of Christ and also uh, the neglect of prayer. They needs to, needs to be avoided from our Christian life. Now, as you can see from uh, the text before us, our Lord Jesus Christ, after He introduced the New Supper, the, the Lord's Supper, and uh, participated in, uh, in the New Supper with his disciples. After he warned them about what was coming, that they will fall away, that they will deny him, that they will uh, run away uh, because of fear. Uh, but nobody, you know, no one from the disciples believed that. Peter said, this is not going to happen. In my life, and the other disciples followed Peter and said, "No, this is not going to happen." So Jesus left them there, and he brought them to the garden, the garden of uh, G- G- Gethsemane. And uh, uh, this garden, the garden of um, Gethsemane, is uh, is a, a very um, important and. Um, 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 historical place in the life and in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ here on earth. Um, Gethsemane means um, a place where people um, press um, olive um, fruits to make, uh, out, uh, to make oil out of them. So uh, Gethsemane uh, means to Uh, to to a place where uh, people would make uh, oil from olive uh, fruits. For our Lord Jesus Christ, it was a place of grief, number one. It was a place of prayer, number two. And it was a place of instruction and resolution in the life and in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want all of us this morning to understand what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what we learn from it as believers. A place of grief and sorrow. For Jesus. For uh, the man Jesus. God in the flesh. uh, Mark tells us. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Now, he left the eight at the gate of the garden. He took the three, the leading um, apostles, Peter, James, and John, um, into the garden, far, you know, deep into the garden. They were not far from him. And he said to them, sit and watch. And what do you learn from what Jesus told to Peter, uh, James, and John? They had um, something to learn. They had to watch Jesus praying and learn from Jesus. From Jesus' life, from Jesus' ministry, from Jesus' prayer. And uh, Jesus, in verse 33 and 34, said, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Now, here is what I said earlier. What is your understanding of this sorrow? This grief that our Lord Jesus Christ experienced in the garden. I want you all to know That uh, there is no one here on earth, no one among us, no one ever have experienced what Jesus experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane. No one, no human has gone through this kind of experience. This sorrow, this grief that Jesus experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane was a transcendent pain, sorrow, and grief. You will never understand this pain and this sorrow fully in your Christian life. It was so deep, it was so torturing, it was so depressing. Yes he was God but here he was God in the flesh he was man like you and I Hebrews 4:15 for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one only one only Jesus but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin the man who was in sorrow, the man who was under depression in the Garden of Gethsemane was the man Jesus. You should never misunderstand that. You should never be confused about that. This is the man Jesus, Hebrews 2.17. He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest In the service of God. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. This is why. This is what Jesus experienced in the garden of Gethsemane. As as man. You remember Isaiah. Isaiah 53.3. He calls Jesus a man of sorrows. And grief, and what was the cause of his deep depression, grief, and sorrow? Was it the betrayal of Judas? Was it the expected, predicted falling away of the other disciples? They will run away, they will be scattered. Was it the rejection of the Jews? Or was it the thought of Peter, one of his uh, disciples, denying him three times? Were these things the cause for his grief and sorrow and depression in the garden? Yes, partly yes. But there was more. There was more. Remember, this was his last temptation. The first one was in the wilderness where Satan said to Jesus, You don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to die on the cross. Just bow down and worship me and I will give you respect and honor. You know, you don't need to be rejected. You don't, you don't need to be crucified. I can give you honor and glory, you know, whatever you need. So, avoid the cross. That was the first one. And then you remember when he told his disciples in Matthew 16 that he was going to die, he was going to be crucified. Peter said to him, this will never happen to you, Lord. Teacher, this will never happen to you. Do you remember what Jesus called Peter? Gate behind me, Satan. Satan was in the wilderness. Satan was in the heart of Peter. To do what? To deflect Jesus from the cross. And now the devil was in the garden to deflect the Son of God from the cross. To cause the Son of God, the man Jesus, to say to his father, this is too much. I had enough. I'm not going to die for these people. I have never experienced this in my life before. Take this cup away from me. I'm not going to die for for them. Listen, the devil was not behind crucifixion. There are people who think in that way. The devil never wanted Jesus to die on the cross. Because the devil doesn't want to see you in heaven. The devil doesn't want you to be saved by the death and the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross. Behind crucifixion was your sin. It was my sin. Behind the crucifixion was the ultimate love of the Father, saving us through the death of His Son Jesus Christ on the cross. The devil was not behind the cross, but the devil was in the garden, tempting Jesus to give up on His Father. So why was he in grief? Why was he in, his, his in sorrow? Listen. When he was in the garden praying. The reason for the anguish. The reason for the depression. Was he was looking in the cup full of sin. The sin of the whole world. He was looking in the cup full of sin. He was looking in the cup full of The wrath of his father coming upon him. Now you need to know this. This son of God, he's sinless, he's pure, he's holy, but he was embracing sin. For the first time in his life, God made him to be sin. God made him to become sin. For the first time in his, in his life, holy and righteous son of God was treated by his father as if he was not sinless. Do you see how ugly sin is? Do you see how much you and I must hate sin? Sin that brought the son of god under this kind of sorrow grief and depression he was in grief and sorrow as the bearer the bearer of the sin of god's people that was the reason you see 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Beloved, that was the reason. The Son of God for, for, the, first time, for the first time in his life was treated as if he was a sinner. Isaiah 53.6 and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Sin brought that grief, that sorrow into his life. Mark 10.45, Jesus himself said, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many That was the reason. You need to understand why this grief, why this sorrow in the garden. But then secondly, we come to the garden being a place of prayer. How did Jesus handle his sorrow and depression? Now, the question shouldn't be, why was he depressed? Well, you know, you sometimes hear this expression, even for for Christians. For a Christian to feel depressed, for a Christian to be under depression, it's sin. Number one, it's unbiblical. Number two, it's a lie. Look at Jesus. He was depressed. He was in anguish. He was in pain. The question, the question is not... Can a Christian be depressed? The question is how should a believer handle depression? How did Jesus handle depression? He prayed. How did Jesus handle depression? He relied on his father. How did Jesus handle depression in his life? He didn't sleep, he was awake, watchful, and he was praying. A lesson for you and I. You just need to run to God in prayer, brothers and sisters in Christ. If you are going through time of depression, anguish and pain and sorrow, run to God in prayer. Be like Jesus. Use the means of grace that we call prayer. Do not neglect it. But now our focus is on Jesus. You see, Jesus, how did he respond to his depression? In verse 35, listen to, uh, to Mark. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, not, yet not what I will, but what you will. So the first thing I want you to learn here is Jesus in times of depression sorrow and grief he prayed he used that means of grace as the mediator as the god man to teach us for us to learn from him many bible scholars they they agree That when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, He used Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. And in those psalms, you have this prayer. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, uh, my, my, my God and my salvation. He was depressed, he was in anguish, he was in pain. But he kept reminding himself, in the midst of his pain and depression and anguish, he was calling upon his Father. He was relying on his Father. Not only that, he also submitted, his, he, t- submitted himself to the will of the Father completely, fully. Now, notice his prayer. First, he said, Abba, Father. Abba in Aramaic is Father. Now, learn from Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ. He was in this transcendent pain, anguish, and grief. But those sorrows and griefs and De- time of depression did not take him away from his father, from the love of his father. He still loved his father. He even called him Abba, Father. It's, it's, this is a, a language of affection, closeness. Yes, I'm in pain. Yes, I'm suffering. But you are still my father. Do you pray in that way when you are depressed? Do you pray in that way when you are helpless? When you are going through a time of temptation and crisis in your Christian life? Do you call God, Abba, Father? And Jesus prayed, take this cup. Away from me. What cup? Cup full of sin. Cup full of God's wrath. Now there are people who say, Well, that was a sign of weakness for Jesus to pray that prayer. No, it was not a sign of weakness. He was praying. It was not a sign of weakness because he was submitting to the will of his Father. But remember, he was man. He was fully man. And he was facing sin and the wrath of God for the first time in his life. Not because of his sin, but because of the sins of the people of God. The sins of everyone. So he prayed, Father, I know it's possible. All things are possible for you. So remove this cup away from me. So, theoretically... God is able. There is nothing impossible for God to do. Theoretically, it's possible for God to remove this cup away from His Son. But in, 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 a, in actual sense, the Father is not going to do that. Because the Father and the Son, they know well, that that's the reason why the Son came to the world to die on the cross, to suffer on the cross. And Jesus knew that. You, you remember from the Gospels where Jesus said, My will is my 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 my, uh, my will is to do the will of my father. My food is to do the will of my father, and the will of his father was. For him to die on the cross. In John 12, 27. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. He was not contradicting with himself. He was entrusting himself in the hand of his father. And listen to what he said in the conclusion of his prayer. But Father... Not my will, but your will would be done. He submitted to the will of his Father completely, fully, and willingly. He died for you on the cross willingly. No one forced him. It was not against his will. He was not a victim on the cross. He was the Lamb of God who died for the sins of the elect. Willingly. What about you? What about you? Let me ask you this. When you lose a family member, a brother, sister, or a child, when you lose your job, when you fail in business, more importantly, when you are tempted to deny Jesus. When you are tempted to denounce his name. When you are tempted to neglect the means of grace. Do you pray? And do you say to God, your will, not my will. Like Job. But also like Jesus. Jesus. Are you that kind of Christian? Are you that kind of believer? I know, I know some of you have lost your beloved ones. Do you still love God? Do you sometimes become angry at God for your loss? Or you always say to God, your will, not my will. you still God. I love you. Abba, Father, I submit my, all my things to you. Completely. Well, lastly, the garden was a place, a place of instruction and resolution. And let me, let me tell you what I mean by this. This is amazing. You, you all need a shepherd like, like, like this in your life as a Christian. Think about this. He was in deep pain, in deep anguish and depression. He was still concerned about the disciples. Think about that. And he came to them. And and you all know what happened. He came to them three times and they were asleep three times. And the reason why they they were sleeping, Luke tells us. They were sleeping because of fear. You know, fear brought sorrow into their hearts and they were sleeping. It was not, you know, because they had heavy dinner and they couldn't sleep. That was not the reason. The reason was fear. The reason was sorrow. So, when you are sorrowful, you sleep or you pray. Three times they were sleeping. And Jesus told them, from the beginning, Jesus told them, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Beloved, remember we have this great high priest who lives to intercede on our behalf. His prayers helps us. His prayers protects us his prayers preserves us in the grace of God that's true but the same high priest tells us to watch and pray what does that mean even as Christians even as believers we will be tempted we will be tempted to, de- to deny Him. We will be tempted to denounce His name. We will be tempted to commit sin in our life and break his, break his law. We will be tempted in the Christian life. And in times like that, God has given us a means. We call it, it, we call it a means of grace. And one of them is prayer. The preaching of the Word of God, the sacrament and prayer, the fellowship of the saints, especially the three, the preaching of the Word of God and the sacrament and prayer, beloved, are the means of grace for you to stay awake, to keep yourself in the love of God. Isn't God God the one who keeps us in His love forever? Yes. But as you go through your journey as a Christian here on earth, you also have a responsibility to use this means of grace, prayer. To keep yourself by God's grace in the love of God. That's your life of sanctification. That's your life of prayer. Jesus told them, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. But three times, beloved, they were asleep. How often do you pray? How often do you pray? Do you consider yourself as a Christian, a praying Christian? Private prayer, corporate prayer? Are you a prayer warrior? I'm asking you on behalf of Christ, this morning, are you a prayer warrior? Do you pray or you neglect prayer? You neglect prayer as a means of grace. What, they neglected it. And they learned their lesson in a hard way. They failed. They ran away. They denied Jesus. They were scattered. And notice how everything came to conclusion. Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Listen to Jesus. It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus was not saying, I had enough, you know, I have, I have shown you everything, I have done everything for you, it's enough, you know, I, I can't do anything, you know, for you anymore. You know, you, you are in your own, I don't care about you. That's not what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was saying, even in Luke, rise up, pray, but it's time for me to go to Jerusalem, to go to the cross and die For my people. See the resolution. He prayed and then he resolved to go to the cross and die for you. Now, let me show you the beauty of the gospel, beloved. In the first garden, your father, Adam, failed you. In the first garden, The first man, Adam, failed. In the second garden, the garden of Gethsemane, the second man, Jesus, succeeded on her behalf. He didn't fail. He said, I will go and die for the sheep. So let me ask you this. Do you still have a superficial understanding of Jesus? I hope this message has shown you who Jesus is and why he was in grief and pain in the garden. But also it's my hope and prayer that you will always watch and pray. That you all by God's grace would become praying Christians, praying believers. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, the one who died for us on the cross, the one who suffered for us on the cross, the one who went through that time of sorrow and grief in the garden of Get some money. O oh Lord, help us to heed His instruction. Help us to watch and pray. To always say, "Abba, Father, Your will, not my will." Help us to submit ourselves to the will of our heavenly Father, completely and willingly.